Thanks for tuning in to Cross Defense. Today on the show, we're talking about suffering as a faithful witness of Christ, a martyr. And we're doing that in response to a listener question about the MAID program in Canada. Going to give some counsel on how to respond to that assisted suicide program. And as I said, the spoiler alert is that it is to suffer. That's what we're talking about today on the show, so let's get into it. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Cross Defense, where we aim to equip the mind, excite the imagination, and comfort the soul. And we aim to do all of this by submitting ourselves to God and listening to what He has revealed about His Word, what it says to us. I'm your host, Reverend Tyrell Bramwell, the pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church out here in Ferndale, California, where God is shining His light brightly, and it is a pleasure to serve. My friends, your comments, questions, and suggestions are extremely important to this show. Ultimately, this is an apologetics show, Cross Defense. It's about encouraging you to make a defense for the hope that is within you, as we're told to do in 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord, as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Mm, every single day, every single day, we're given opportunities to do this very thing. And all the more, it would seem, as the world continues down this upside down and backward road that we are on, and it's getting intense. You can send in your thoughts, your comments, your questions, your suggestions for the show to stmarksferndale.com slash contact. That's S-T-M-A-R-K-S. Ferndale.com slash contact. We get an hour a week. We'll do our best to address what you send in. You can also pull open the uh, KFUO app and use that open mic button. Send us some feedback there. We'd love to hear your thoughts, especially if they're positive ones. <laughs> Always like the positive ones, but even send in your negative ones if you have any. We don't get too many of those. Thanks be to God. I think we have a pretty good audience out there that's kind of like-minded, but hey, I appreciate everything that comes through. So thank you guys for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks for engaging. The audience is getting more and more engaged. And uh, that is a pleasure. It does it does really help us keep a pulse on what you'd like to talk about. So uh, what we're going to do today is what we've been talking about, actually just kind of dropping some seeds for the last two weeks. We are going to uh, deal with our Canadian sister Angela's request for how to respond to the Medical Assistance in Dying program in her country, Canada's MAID program. We've been praying about this for a couple weeks, and I want to focus on that for a minute, that we've been praying about it. See, in our fast-paced world, with instant online access to just about everything, advice, counsel is everywhere you want to look. You could pull it up anywhere. You, you can even ask a chat bot, I, I guess. I haven't played with the AI stuff, not interested. But I bet you could ask a chat bot for advice and probably get a pretty interesting answer. I don't recommend you do that, but that is the world we live in. But what sets apart Christian counsel from that of a chat bot or from that of your friend's opinion or, or any non-Christian talking head out there that you could ask for advice is that we pray. We pray. And we pause to pray. 
We seek the Lord's wisdom in the matters of our lives, in all the matters of our lives, big and little. And sometimes, well, sometimes that just slows things down, doesn't it? And it's great that it does because we do live in a, I would say, an artificially fast world. It doesn't need to be as fast as we allow it to be, make it be. Carve away time, my friends. Take things off your plate. Learn to be still. We need to slow down, don't we? This is what Psalm 4610 says, isn't it? Be still and know that I am God. And that's usually where the custom Etsy coffee cup ends, right? That has that little quote on it. But what does the rest of the verse say? I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. In the earth. That's interesting. Amen and hallelujah. By pausing to pray, we've been able to listen for weeks now, a couple weeks, to God's word. And consider it in terms of the made question. And I, what I mean by a couple weeks is, yes, you are in your word daily, I'm sure. You are praying daily. But imagine all those centuries before they had, Christians had, you know, uh, the Bible on their phone in their pocket, before they had access to printed Bibles that they let sit on their coffee table and collect dust, before we had access to all that stuff, how did Christians hear the Word of God? How were they able to reflect and meditate upon the Word of God? The divine service, primarily through the divine service, right? By attending worship where the Word was read out loud for them to chew on, to think about, to meditate upon. And so as we pause to pray about this issue in Canada, we've also had time of going to church with this on our mind, right? This week, we especially we've been celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia. And that is the answer to Angela's question, isn't it? Right there in our readings through this past Holy Week, we have been given the answer to Angela's question, the gospel. Here, Canadian neighbors, they're, they're being given a false gospel with this MAID program. They're being told and sold this idea that suffering is bad, and that there is a way to end their suffering if they want it. This is the theology of glory. We're used to thinking about the theology of glory in a Joel Osteen sort of way. It's the uh, God wants you to be rich message, right? But that's just one branch of that rotten tree. God doesn't want you to suffer. That's another branch. And might even be a thicker branch on that tree. The main branch that the, the rich branch comes off of. And that's what the Canadian government is peddling, perverse rhetoric that has turned death into good news. And by pausing to pray, we've been able to listen to God's word and consider it in terms of this made question. Christianity. Christianity has the true gospel, the only good news. And we can see how the demons twist it 
and how they're twisting it in Canada. Death is good news. It truly is. Jesus' death, that's the good news. His death and resurrection for you. Jesus' death, not yours. This is why we, com- we condemn the theology of glory, and we proclaim to all the world the theology of the cross. Here's how Reverend Dr. Richard C. Iyer puts it in his very helpful book, Holy People, Holy Lies. If you don't have this book, I highly recommend it. I think it's now print-on-demand through CPH. It used to be you know, available just in the normal route through CPH, but I think now it might be out of print or print-on-demand is the only way you can get it. Anyway, it's a great book. I highly recommend you pick up a copy if you can get one maybe on Amazon or wherever. Holy People, Holy Lives by Reverend Dr. Richard C. Iyer. This is what he says. Suffering is the result of sin. Not necessarily individual sins, but sin, capital S, big sin. Given the fallen nature of this world, some suffering is indeed inevitable. Now in ethics, law and gospel say different things about such suffering. The law can only address suffering with the accusation of our fallenness, showing us our sin. And there's no comfort or transformation in accusation and judgment. Being accused of something, being judged about that, that's not going to change your heart. It's not going to transform you. It's not going to comfort you. Yet, the world is never so bad a place that a Christian can't live in it, he says. And it's true. The gospel is the good news that God has made of human suffering something other than we have known it to be up until now both for our salvation and for our daily living. The gospel is the transforming power that gives us hope in the midst of suffering. If you've never heard the phrases theology of the cross and theology of glory, these are terms that Martin Luther introduced to the church, to the world, as summaries of Biblical theology on the one hand, the theology of the cross, and man-made theology on the other hand, theology of glory. And Luther introduced these two theologies to the world in in these two categories in the world, to the world in his Heidelberg Disputation. And you can read more about that by going to bookofconcord.org, and we're going to link the exact Heidelberg Disputation page get my mouth to work right there. Uh, We're going to link that in the show notes below. So you can just click that link to the Book of Concord and you'll go straight to the Heidelberg Disputation page and you can at least read the entry there, the summary of what that was and what it was all about. It's pretty good stuff. So that's there in the show notes, along with uh, Reverend Iyer's book, a link to CPH there. So you can do that as well. But here's the short version of what Luther said in the Disputation that gives us this summary category title of theology of the cross, which is biblical theology, and theology of the glory, which is man-made theology. He says, he deserves to be called a Christian who comprehends the visible and manifest things of God seen through suffering and the cross. God can be found only in the suffering and the cross because men do not know the cross and we hate it. They necessarily love the opposite, namely wisdom, glory, power, and so on. That the MAID suicide program exists in Canada shows that Canadian lawmakers don't know Christ. 
Angela, all that needs doing is what the church has been given to do throughout all the ages. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. We go to this Great Commission passage a lot on the show. And partly because the church isn't, in my humble opinion, the church isn't doing a very good job of fulfilling the Great Commission right now. That's just my humble opinion. The problems that, that plague the Western church, the, the Western world, I should say, all of the, the wicked wokeness of the secular humanists, it has taken hold precisely because it captured the imaginations of the culture. And how did that happen? To put it quite frankly, that happened because we Christians let it. We let go of our hold of the culture. And it seized it. It came into the vacuum and grabbed it. In some cases, it pushed us out violently. And not just in our generation. Don't mishear me. We're seeing the tipping point of it right now. But it's been on a slow march, at least since the 1850s, when Darwin introduced his, his theory of evolution, right, the origin of species and these sorts of things, and gave the world and the worldly the words they needed to convince others that God didn't exist, to liberate themselves from the church. And once they had the momentum to do that, they did it with prejudice. All that the church needs to do in Canada, it's very oversimplified, I know, but this is really all that needs to be done. Remain faithful to Scripture. That's it, sister. Just remain faithful to Scripture. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That would include Canada baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's it. Go. Baptize and teach. Teach the Canadians who have forgotten what God's Word says. Teach them what the Lord has commanded. Teach them his word. Now, you specifically asked how to oppose made, and to that answer, we are going to dedicate the rest of today's show. The short of it, one word, suffer. You want to oppose the made program? Suffer. That's it, sister. Show your neighbors, not only in word and talk, but in deed and in truth, that Jesus is God. Show them that. Show them that show them all that he is your Lord and that he has something to offer all those people who are considering suicide over earthly suffering, physical suffering, mental anguish. They're choosing to turn the lights out rather than to live in discomfort. So suffer. Suffer with grace. And teach your neighbors the love of the Lord. Exemplify for them that they're not the only one suffering. And that there is a way to suffer with joy. Perhaps you heard this in the, the epistle reading on Easter morning. Don't know what uh, lectionary 
calendar you're using, but for uh, for us, it was 1 Corinthians 5, and a part of it, and this part here in particular might ring a bell for you. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And that's verses 7 and 8, 1 Corinthians 5, 7 and 8. When we live out the Christian faith in sincerity and truth, our witness counters the malice and the evil of the world. We give witness to the better, unleavened bread of Christ. And for too long, too long in our Western world, our Western nations, the church has forgotten that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, I suspect that's an expected outcome of buying Wonder Bread in the supermarket instead of making it ourselves. So all y'all go out there and start making bread at home. And this, this analogy will not be lost on us. <laughs> but even more so. Seriously, the expected outcome of justifying sin as we have become experts at doing. We are experts at justifying away our sins. People need examples of suffering with grace. Our neighbors need to see us suffer and see that we rejoice in our suffering. But instead we have become justifiers rather than the justified. We justify our sins of commission and omission, our active sins and our passive sins our individual sins, and our corporate sins. We justify away every opportunity to suffer. And we do it with a theological aptitude that makes it all the more evil because we know better. But we justify seeking after our creature comforts, protecting them, claiming them, holding on to them. We make everything ideological and take everything out of the physical. Well, it's time we get a little more physical. Hold on to that thought. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Cross Defense. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Put this wisdom of God into practice by listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple, and faithful pastors from around the world help sharpen my faith in Christ every episode. I know you'll be blessed by listening and studying God's Word with us. Listen to Sharper Iron weekdays at 8 a.m. on KFUO and on demand at KFUO.org, the KFUO radio app, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Wouldn't you agree that we have become experts at justifying away our sinful action and our inaction? Actually, that's probably more on point. The fact that we don't live out our faith in real, physical, tangible ways, but we actually spiritualize everything, we internalize everything, we put everything into a, an intellectual ascent category where we most of our living out of our Christian faith is just thinking on these things and believing in Jesus. Yeah, I believe in Jesus but we really actually never 
put our, our money where our mouth is, is, is one of the phrases, but it's much more the, the pound of flesh, right? We're really not actually being Christ to our neighbor because we're trying to hold on to our creature comforts. Now, I don't know about this. I don't know about how all this relates with you, Angela, and I don't know anything about you, just your question, but this opens up the door to talk about so many of the different things that we're facing in this world and the solution to all of them is the answer to your question. Western Christians need to relearn what it means to suffer for Jesus' sake. And we need to relearn just how amazing that is and how effective it is in spreading the gospel. Like we talked about last in the last episode with the idol of evangelism. We get so hung up in thinking about trying to do everything we can to bring people into church, except for the one thing that actually will do it. The one thing that is proven throughout time that we have records of, eyewitness testimony of, and that is martyrdom. <laughs> None of us really want to develop that as a church program. <laughs> Why? Why don't we want to do it? We, we find these really clever ways of rationalizing all these clever, cute, marketable programs to deliver Jesus to our neighbor. But the one guaranteed way to do it is to follow what Scripture says. And not to rationalize the language into some sort of spiritual ascent, not to be charismatic about it, but to actually live it out. To be incarnate, to be in the flesh with people. To serve our neighbor with ourselves, truly. Whether we're dealing with national suicide, racism, humanism in general, homosexuality, whatever, whatever it is, the answer lies in identifying the inclination of our soft, comfortable, Western way of life, repenting of, justifying that, and returning to who we have been called to be, the justified. The hard, the battle-tested, the persecuted, the martyred, and who are yet still unashamed of the gospel. Romans 5, flip open your Bibles there with me, will you? Romans 5, therefore, starting at verse 1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He justifies us and he brings us peace. Instead of us always trying to justify our sinful action or inaction and try to find a peace, in fact, let's just live out the faith and let him justify us and let him bring us peace through him. We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice, and here it is, Angela, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We need to turn on Eye of the Tiger, get off the couch, drink a couple of those eggs protein shakes from back in the 70s, run a little while around Philadelphia, climb the steps, and yell, Adrian, we need to get up and get disciplined. We need to actually start building up our endurance. Endurance that produces character. Character that, we can, that can withstand the threats and the attacks and can make a bold witness 
We've been emphasizing winsome witnesses all the time. That's a, that language has become, uh, become empty now. Be a winsome witness for the Lord. Yes, that is absolutely true. It is absolutely true that we do that. But to, at this point, that language of winsomeness has, is coming to mean do nothing and call it a witness for the Lord. So let's stop using that language. That's my suggestion. I mean, go ahead. Maybe that's maybe I overstepped the line. I don't know. I say stop saying winsome so much because we're using that as a crutch to do nothing. And let's be bold. Let's speak the truth and suffer so that we can build our endurance. This is training. And that character can shine for the world to see. That's the answer, sister. That's the answer to your question. That's the answer to all my questions, to everyone's question. That is what we have been called to do for this world, for our, the sake of our neighbors. Suffer. The church in Canada, and that means the individual Christians in Canada, they need to be willing to suffer. Personally. My advice is to, pay, is to pray. Pray for strength. Pray for strength in the midst of suffering. And, and, this sounds crazy, but pray for opportunities to grow in boldness. So pray for opportunities to suffer. I wrote a short prayer one time. I couldn't find it prior to recording this. I was going to read it to you. I couldn't find it. It was out there on the internet somewhere, and I got rid of all that stuff. So it might be a, a loss to oblivion, but it was basically praying for the, the Lord to bring his sword upon me. The sword that divides truth from falsehood. It's crazy. Pray. Pray that the Lord would give you an opportunity to suffer like he did. That's what the martyrs of old would do. That's what they looked forward to. They counted themselves honored to die. Now, I'm not saying we all need to be going out there looking to die. But if that is what comes, it's going to end up coming because we suffered and we had endurance and when endurance we had character and character gives hope. And that's part of that entire economy. We're not ready for that yet in the Western world. But I fear it's coming. So let's get ready. Let's start training. Pray. Pray for opportunities. That your character would be tested. Pray for opportunities to grow in endurance in your suffering, that your hope would be rooted and manifest. And all the while, be diligent in the word, attending the divine service. Stay in church. Go to church. Seek out every opportunity to be in the word that you can find. Because that is where our Lord will continue to equip your mind with his word. Again, that's how all the Christians of old would get God's word. They didn't have it in their pocket on their phone. They didn't have personal Bibles. They had to go to church to be encouraged by one another in the fellowship, to be with one another in the prayers, to break bread with one another, and all the while being served by God. He will excite your imaginations weekly in the readings as you receive the good news of his suffering for you on the cross. Having the Lord's example ever before your eyes, empowering you, the servant, to be like him, the master. And where he will comfort your souls with his sacrament. 
so that you know there's nothing, nothing that can harm you as long as you're in Christ. As Paul says in Romans 8, flip there. If God is for us, who could be against us? Verse 31, right? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us, Angela? Who shall separate you and your Canadian brothers and sisters from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? <laughs> As it's written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Let's be those sheep. Now, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, not even a tyrannical government, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is truly how the church has stood against the gates of hell all these centuries, for millennia, by being served by God in word and sacrament, which brings us back, back to Psalm 46, doesn't it? This time, let's start at verse 1. Let's read the entirety of Psalm 46. Give you just a second to get flipped over there. If you need to pause this for extra time, go right ahead. Here we go. God is our refuge and our strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he's brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Angela, I can't tell you 
how this looks in your specific location with your particular congregation. But your pastor, he can take this further. And so can the, the entire assembly of your congregation together. Speak with them. Talk with them. What's this look like for you guys as a parish? I can tell you that here at St. Mark, we've been growing tremendously for nearly two years now in this understanding. Our willingness to suffer is our witness to our neighbors. We're mocked for not having a, a clothing closet for homeless folks or having a, a pantry for homeless folks or having any of these external social justice programs like some of the other churches in town. We do our, our things. We don't make them public. We don't post them on our website for accolades. But that's not where our witness is to our neighbors. Our witness is in our willingness to speak the truth and to take the blows. And it has been a tremendous witness in these last almost two years. Our willingness to suffer is the thing that is bringing Christ to people. That's what the word martyr means, right? Witness. It's become the word for to die for the faith, to die for your witness. But martyria means witness. Are we, as Christians, willing to be martyred for Christ's sake? Are we? For many of us in the Western world, it's easy to say yes to that question because we really don't ever fear being put in that situation. We don't ever think we'll be faced with that reality. That time is quickly passing, I think. I would advise advise the entire church, everyone listening, in every location, to prayerfully reflect on the theology of the cross in relation to our, our actual likely, likeliness of suffering. Now, Luther was excommunicated. He, has, he had a bounty on his head. He, people were, were being martyred. People were killed for the faith. And yet he still spoke about the theology of the cross versus the theology of glory. Will speaking up against the MAID program, for example, cause suffering? I don't know. I don't know the particulars. I suspect some, more than likely, some suffering will come from you speaking up against it. I know that our speaking out against the LGBTQ has caused suffering for the Christians here at St. Mark, nearly every single one of us. And the kind of suffering that really hurts. I mean, not physical yet, but the kind of suffering that, that tears grandparents away from grandchildren. The kind of suffering that empties bank accounts because people aren't shopping at stores anymore because you're affiliated with the church. You lose clientele because you're associated with the church, and now all of a sudden you're struggling in this horrible economic situation to figure out how to make ends meet. The kind of suffering that loses friendships and has people just drop you like a hot potato or hot whatever the metaphor is. I don't remember. That kind of suffering that does, does strike deep to the heart. So prepare for that. And I got to tell you, at times, the last couple of years, we've had to repent 
individually and to certain degrees corporately. Repent of the temptation to, to want to serve a false peace, to want to serve a temporal comfort, to get along, to get along kind of an idea with our neighbors instead of serving God. Temptation to care more about what man thinks than what God thinks. We've had to repent of that. That temptation, the devil has brought it into our eyes all along the way, here and there. Things seem to get too tense and we want to back it down. But every time the world rages, more and more people here in our part of the world are hearing the truth and are themselves being served by God who is working through our joyful suffering and has become joyful. Given that we've been seeing on the news all about the pastors being arrested in Canada for standing up against evil, I don't say any of this with a light heart. In fact, I want to give you help to prepare yourself for the suffering to come, because no doubt it will come. And to do that, I'm going to let Reverend Brian Wolfmiller do the heavy lifting, who himself let St. Peter do the heavy lifting, who, of course, because he was writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, let God do all the heavy lifting. If you haven't read A Martyr's Faith in a Faithless World by Wolfmiller, I highly recommend it. In chapter 15, the former host of this show, yes, Brian Wolfmiller, former host of Cross Defense, says six times in his five chapters in 1 Peter, Peter takes up the topic of suffering and gives insight, wisdom, comfort, and hope to those who suffer. So we're going to take a break, and as soon as we get back, we're going to look through these six times that St. Peter gives us words of hope in the midst of suffering. Don't go away. You're listening to Cross Defense. Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Phil Boo, host of Thy Strong Word. Each weekday morning at 11 a.m., join me and a guest pastor as we explore God's Word, which strengthens our faith and guides our lives. You can listen over the air, online at kfuo.org, or through your favorite podcasting app. Just search for Thy Strong Word, only from KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Okay, so six times in five chapters in 1 Peter, Peter takes up the topic of suffering and gives insight, wisdom, comfort, and hope to those who suffer. Here are those six passages and Reverend Wolf Miller's summary of them. First one, 1 Peter 1, 6-9. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not know, now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So what's the summary? God uses suffering to refine our faith. Suffering 
refines our faith. You've been grieved by, grieved by various trials, tested to see the genuineness of your faith. And he goes on and he talks about how, though you even haven't seen Jesus yet, you love him though. And even though you do not see him, you believe in him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. So God uses suffering to refine our faith. Next, 1 Peter 2, 20 to 24. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and you suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. What's the summary of this, these passages? This passage. We are called, as Christians, to suffering. That is our calling. What credit is it if when you sin, you're beaten for it, that you endure. That, that, that's good, but that, that's just to be expected. But if when you do good, when you speak up against maid, when you speak out against the LGBTQ or any of these sort of evils, when you, when you do good and you suffer for that and you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Why? Because Christ also suffered for you. It is being a Christ in this world, a little Christ, a Christian to your neighbor. The more we try to protect ourselves from suffering, and this is the whole problem. You've heard me speak about this a little bit on the show before, safetyism. This whole problem with safetyism. The more we try to be safe and to wrap ourselves in bubble wrap, prevent suffering, the more we're, we're guarding ourselves or, or keeping ourselves from being like Christ, who suffered even unto death for others. Safetyism is a horrible thing when it comes to the theology of the cross. There's nothing safe about suffering for Christ. There is nothing safe about Christ suffering for us. It's antithetical to the gospel. All right, here's our next passage. 1 Peter 3, 13 to 18. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord, as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, when they 
treats you with evil, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame, right? For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. The summary, Christian hearts are prepared to suffer. We're prepared for this. This is why we come to church. This is why we hear the word. This is why we receive the sacrament. We are living a life of preparation, of training for suffering. It's what we do. And we have our apologetics version here, don't we? But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience so that you can be slandered justly. That's the whole point (laughs) of having the gentleness and respect so that when you are suffering, it's not because you're a sinful idiot, but it's because... You're actually doing good and right and can say they hated me because they hated Jesus. I don't know how many times people tell me or have told me in the past when they get mad and they want to take their ball and go home, they're mad at pastor for saying this or that, and people leave the church. They always tell me it's not God they're mad at. It's not God they have a problem with. It's it's Ty. It's Pastor Bramwell. They always want to put it on the person, but that's that's a lie. It's, It's false. I know it's false. I know it's false because pastors and Christians in general do all that we can to remove our sinful idiocy out of the equation so that when we are slandered, when we are accused of being the reason someone has left the church, we can say, no, that's that's not true. Your beef is with Jesus. I just happen to be the guy who had to bring you that word. I happen to be the guy that had to to try to help you get over that sin, and you didn't want to hear the word. You didn't want to hear that it was sinful, and so you lashed out at me. I get it. I get it. But what you're saying is false. So we want to do it with gentleness. We want to do it with respect. We want to do it above board so we have a good conscience so that when we do suffer, when we are slandered, when our good behavior is reviled, they would be put to shame, not us. Okay, so Christian hearts are prepared to suffer. Next, 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So suffering curbs passions. Isn't that interesting? Given all of our propensity, our desire to indulge in sinfulness in the flesh. Maybe you want to go to the entertainment conversation that we spent so much time talking about. We want to indulge in the sins of the entertainment industry because what do they do? They, they speak to our passions. We don't want to suffer this. Maybe you can think about this even in terms of dietary discipline or uh, getting up early or making your bed or whatever it may be, right? Uh, Whatever thing you want to do and you're not doing, why are you not doing it? Because you're giving into your passions. Coming out of Lent, this is 
the whole idea of giving something up, right? You're, you're disciplining your body to focus on God, focus on Christ. So you give up something like he gave up his life for you. <laughs> My daughter says, well, dad, that's why I don't have to give up anything for Lent because God gave everything up for me. And I say, amen to that. That's the gospel. <laughs> but you get the point. Discipline. Disciple. It's right there in the word, right? To be a follower of Christ, to be a disciple of Christ, to learn to be like Christ, to decrease, as John the Baptist says, that Christ may increase, to lose your own life, that you may find it in Christ. Discipline. So we suffer to curb our passions, to keep them in check. I'm going to read that again. That was a great short little verse, but wonderful. 1 Peter 4, 1-2. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Think like Christ. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. You become one who wants to do what God wants you to do. Not because you have to, but because you want to. 1 Peter 4, 12-19. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. What's this all about, huh? But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it's time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So the summary. Suffering is not a surprise. <laughs> Don't be shocked when suffering comes your way. If you're being a Christian, it will. It will find you. Okay. Finally, 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You're not the only one to suffer. You're not out there all alone. That's one of the devil's favorite lies is to make you think that you're the one, the only one who's ever experienced this kind of turmoil, this kind of trial, this kind of suffering. That's not true. That's his trick because he's prowling around like a lying lion seeking someone to devour and he wants to devour you in despair and depression and in all the darkness that surrounds you we us you me when we think we're alone 
So resist him firm in your faith, knowing the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Christians have, of all times and places, are experiencing the kind of suffering we're experiencing. And worse in the Western world. We have it easy. Many of us. Speaking in generalities, of course. But when you're afraid to suffer, think of the martyrs. Think of the brotherhood. Think of that great cloud of witnesses who have all suffered for the name of Jesus. Think on that and be encouraged. Now, we're running out of time. Angela, all of you who are desiring to be faithful to the Lord, God be with you. God be with you. We're praying for you. We're praying for for those who will see the Lord's grace in your suffering. May the souls in Canada especially be saved from hearing the false gospel that tells them their death is an escape from the result of sin in this world. (laughs) There is one death that gives us an escape from the sins of this world, and it is not our own. It is Christ Jesus' death. As we just very sharply remembered on Good Friday, it's his death that does away with sin, that does away ultimately with suffering. It does away with all the the ailments and the injuries and the illnesses and all the, the disparity in this world. It's his death, not ours, not theirs that will save them from the darkness of this fallen world. So equipped with a a willingness to suffer for Jesus, my advice, Angela, is to go and talk with your pastor, talk with your parishioners, your fellow Christians there in, in your town and your church, and see what you can do together as a church to bring the cross of Christ to your neighbors in light of suffering for that faithful witness. Suffering for their sake. As for me, I have more of that to do right now, right here in Ferndale. I have a letter to write to my city council (laughs) trying to block an anti-hate resolution. So that's it for this week, my friends. Thank you, Angela, for the wonderful question and giving us time to pray about it. And uh, we will talk to you all next week. Blessed Easter to you, my friends. Blessed Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Christ be with you. Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at kfuo.org.